Our text for this morning's message will be Psalm 51. It's a wonderful psalm of confession, a deep look into the heart of somebody who is truly repentant. We know David writes this, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the circumstances surrounding the writing here in a little bit, but I just want to focus on three verses this morning for our text. That's going to be found in Psalm 51 and verse 10. We'll read verse 10, 11, and 12. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for all the blessings you've given to us, all the ways that you've spoken to our hearts this morning. I ask now that you would remove any distractions that might be in the way and that your spirit would have free reign in our hearts and our minds. Take the truths that we'll learn this morning and take them, apply them as only you can and do the work in us, each one in our own hearts as only you can do, Lord. I pray that I would be faithful to sow the seed that you would have and that you would give me the words to say. I just thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. I would love to say that every day of life feels like a new adventure. Man, you wake up and the morning breaks new in your heart and we're up and at them raring to go and it's just, we're just happy and it's exciting. And life is just full of joy. You've got that spark of life, and man, the day just goes by, and you're, you're loving every minute of it. Now, sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Like a day that you're going on vacation, or while you're on vacation, or maybe some big event. You can't wait to see what the day holds, and man, you just wake up excited and ready to go. So sometimes life can be that way. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was that way all the time? But the truth is, it's not, is it? Sometimes the days are not like that. Sometimes life is not like that. Sometimes it's just blah. Or meh. And you face each day with an attitude pretty close to, okay, whatever. We find ourselves going through life with a pretty apathetic attitude. Apathy might be a new word. Maybe you haven't heard that before. Maybe you have. I'm sure you've heard words that are similar to it. You've heard the word sympathy, right? Well, the word sympathy means that you feel for or you feel with somebody who might be going either through a tough time or might be facing joys. You have sympathy. You have a feeling with somebody. Empathy is another one. That's a little bit deeper. That means you actually try to put yourself into the thing like an actor does. Actors have to exercise themselves in empathy to truly be convincing in the role that they're going to play. They put themselves in the emotions, and there's times that we can have empathy for somebody else. Apathy simply means without feeling. In the Greek... When you see the prefix a or a, it means without, and pathos means feeling. It's without feeling. Sometimes you just don't feel much, do you? 
if anything at all. I mean, can we really live like that? Can we live without feeling? Can our life be void of some of those things? Can our relationships be without feeling, even with God? And if that is the case, well, how does that happen? Listen, we all know that sometimes we get stuck in a rut, don't we? You've got the routine of life. You work, you sleep, you eat, lather, rinse, repeat. It seems like it's just a never-ending cycle. We get caught in the motion of things. We get caught in the flow of things, and we find ourselves just existing. It's one thing after another, just another check on our schedule, and we can go through all of that just blah. Feeling close to nothing at times, with the attitude of just whatever. That should concern us. Because that's not good. It's not good for our mental health. It's not good for our physical health. And it is surely not good for our spiritual health. When we feel apathetic about the things of God, that should raise red flags in our hearts and we should seek to make sure that's not the case. Now listen, this feeling or lack thereof, I guess if you want to call it, this apathy can range. Sometimes we just feel off a day or two. I think we all feel ourselves at that way at times. We're just not 100%. That's not the focus of this message because there's going to be times that, that, like that that come along and as long as we realize it and we seek to correct it, well, we'll be just fine. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes it feels like you can't get out of the rut, right? I, uh, I spent a lot of time riding dirt bikes in the desert. Um, one of the worst things you can come across on a trail is a rut where the water has dug a rut in the, in the soil. Not so much if you're on a quad, but if you're on a bike, there's a very big tendency for your wheel to go in that, and you're going to go wherever that goes. It doesn't matter if it makes a 90. If it makes a 90, you're stopping and you're going over the handlebars. I have a lot of experience doing that too. Sometimes it feels like we get stuck in this rut, and we're just following the flow of things. We're caught in the riptide, and we find ourselves caring less and less, becoming more and more jaded, more and more emotionless, even more and more isolated and closed off. And we just drift along pretty numb to things. To the extreme is that you flat out just don't care anymore. Whatever, man. People don't affect you. Life doesn't affect you. Even church is just blah. Well, that's not good, is it? We just don't feel it. We don't really care. Whether it's about the things in life in general or our spiritual life, there's great danger in that. So we need to to pay attention to, to some of these things this morning. Now, When I say we can get to a point of not caring about spiritual things, it doesn't mean we don't know some things. We might know a lot. We might know a lot about the Bible. We might be assured of biblical truth and the foundation that we stand on. And it's not necessarily that our faith or our belief is shaken. It's just that we don't feel it. It's not vibrant. If I may say, it's not real in our hearts. 
We don't really care about it that much. You see, what you feel about what you know is of great importance. You may know you love your wife. Do you feel it? You may know you love your husband. You may know you love your kids, but do you feel that love? There's a great difference between knowing something and feeling it. And when I say that we can get to the point that we don't feel, I'm talking about that vibrant joy and that vibrant peace that we who know Christ ought to live in. When we have the spiritual blahs, we can actually, feel, we can actually find it easy to feel other things than joy and peace. Things like anger. Things like bitterness. Or always feeling tired or drained or void. I think everybody knows just how this is, right? We've all been at this point in some, at some point in our lives. You care, but you don't. So the question is, if we find ourselves there this morning, we want to care, right? So how do we fix it? Because I want to know in my life, what is the cure for spiritual apathy? What is the cure for spiritual blahs? So let's take a closer look at the Bible and see if it will give us help on this. Now, we're going to come back to our text later in the message. I want to to put that out there first. We're going to circle back to it as we look at some of the cures. What I want to look at first, what I'd like you to notice first, is the causes of spiritual apathy. What are some causes of spiritual apathy? Where does it come from? How does it happen? What, What causes it? And how can we avoid it if we see it coming? Because we want to be aware and we want to be on guard against it, right? Well, I want you to notice first that the Bible gives us a pretty good description of it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So turn your Bibles there if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul here is writing to a young pastor, most likely the pastor at Ephesus, giving him strength, giving him instruction. This is actually 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul would write. He would die shortly after this. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he's letting Timothy know, and us by extension, some things that will come. Chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3, without natural affection. That's one word in the Greek. Astorgos. Remember, a or a means without. Well, storgos is a word for love. It's that family love that you naturally love your kids. You naturally love your family. In the last time, that love, that feeling is going to be gone without natural affection, verse 3. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, that sounds a little all too familiar, doesn't it? Not only does it describe society around us, but sometimes it can describe our own hearts. We can be apathetic, man can be apathetic 
towards just about anything except self. Or what we hate, which is usually truth. That's the extreme. And we want to stay away from that, right? We want to stay away from roads that lead to that. You're not going to find yourself in this kind of a mindset overnight. There's going to be things that lead up to it. So let's look at a few causes. The first would be sin. Sin. What can cause spiritual apathy? Sin. Now listen, we hear that word and our mind automatically goes to like the worst case scenario. We think of some blatant blasphemer or somebody so deep in filthy sin that they care nothing for God. Like things that we just read in 2 Timothy. Well, that's what you're talking about. That kind of sin. No, you've got to understand. All sin separates us from Him. All sin. Whether we think it's a big deal or not, sin separates us from God. God makes this clear in Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear, God can save anyone. God can do anything. God hears the prayers. What stops His hand from doing that? What stops Him from working? Look there in your notes. But your iniquities have separated between you and God and your sins. If if you want to, I'd underline your iniquities and your sins. It's our sins, our shortcomings that get between us and God. Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Any sin, any form comes between us and God. Whether we think it's big or not, but it comes between, God, between us and God. Especially, especially the sins that are known and not confessed. You know the situation as David writes the psalm we have for the text. It's Bathsheba. You know the story. He sees her. He lusts after her. He ends up committing adultery with her. He tries to blame it and pass it off on her husband. But her husband's a righteous man. It doesn't work out like that. So ultimately what David does is he has her husband killed. He thinks it's all covered up. He thinks nobody knows. He thinks it's a done deal. Except the guilt that was there eating him alive. You can look in other psalms and see how he dealt with that inside. And he kept trying to push it down and kept trying to push it down and he got to a pretty bad place to where he had to be called out. Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and uses a parable, but the thing that he says where he applies it to David's heart, he says, Thou art the man. It's you, David. You are the one who has sinned. You are the one who has separated yourself from God. Unconfessed sin will do a number on us. It will wreak havoc on our souls, on our minds, on our disposition. Listen, you may know that you are in the wrong this morning. Maybe there's something in your heart, some action, some attitude, or whatever it is, you know. I know my own shortcomings as you know yours. We know it, but you don't confess it. I'm not saying anything. I'm not telling anybody. I'm not letting anybody know what's going on. We can have that mindset, don't we? We know what's in our hearts and we don't confess it. Listen, to keep a resistant heart to the Holy Spirit is not wise. Maybe you know how the sin used to bother you. 
It used to convict you. You were convicted about it. Your heart was broken over it and you ignored it. And you pushed it down and you pushed away that feeling and you you thought of other things and as time went on, it got easier to ignore. Easier to explain away, easier to push down. It got easier not to be affected by the Word, affected by the Spirit. Easier to be apathetic. And now, blah, meh, who cares? Be careful with that. The Scripture is clear. Look in your notes, 1 Timothy 4.2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Paul is describing the attitude of some people in the last days, or some people even in that day. Those who have their conscience seared with a hot iron, this is scar tissue where we've been resistant time after time to the Holy Spirit and we begin to, re- to build up a resistance to it. Be careful, we can get that way to where nothing penetrates anymore. Or in Ephesians 4.19, who being past feeling, see that? Who being past feeling have given themselves over to some things. We can give ourselves and give ourselves over to where feeling doesn't happen anymore. We don't want to be apathetic. We don't want sin to bring us to a dull and numb place. Sin can lead to spiritual apathy, so we need to guard against it and be quick to confess it. How about the second one? Worry. Sin can cause spiritual apathy. So can worry. There's a phrase used in the Bible some 360 times. Fear not. Fear not. Translated in today's um, language, don't worry. But yet we do, don't we? We worry over anything. We worry over everything. And if you're like me and you're willing to admit, we usually worry over nothing, right? (laughs) Usually turns out to be nothing. But worry can cause Apathy. I mean, is worry really that big of a deal? Is it, is it something that that's serious? Yes. Worry or anxiety or fear, whatever you want to call it, because it's all the same. What, what that is at the core is it's a failure to fully trust God to handle everything in our lives. It's a failure to see that God has it. We want to take it into our own hands. We want things to go our way, and so we begin to worry over it. And what it does is it shrinks the focus in our lives to just us. Our problems, our circumstances. And we obsess over what might happen to us. And the phrase, what if, rules. To the point where we can become numb or apathetic to everything else. It might be a frantic apathy, but it usually goes something like this. I don't care what's going on with so-and-so. I don't care what's happening here. I don't care about anything else. Don't you understand what's happening to me? You see how we have become apathetic to things outside? We can even become apathetic to Scripture that tells us about the goodness of God, apathetic to His presence with us. I see this in Martha. Luke chapter 10, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, 
Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. She's pretty worried about some stuff. Now, don't give Martha a bad rap. She's a good woman. But here's a weak moment. Look what Jesus says to her. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, anxious, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha got distracted, didn't she? Took her eyes off of Christ because she was worried. So worried can cause us to become apathetic to everything else except our worries. we got to be careful about that. Yes, there's some things we should be concerned about, and those things are not evil, but we need to have everything in its proper place. Worry, anxiety, fear can cause us to grow apathetic as well. The next one is time. Time. You think not being a proper steward of our time can cause us to not care? We're going to have a message on this shortly. We're going to have a message on time management here in a couple of weeks. Probably, I don't know if you've ever heard a message on time management, but it's, it's something we really need in today's day and age. But I simply want to lay, lay before you just a couple thoughts. Look at Psalm 90 and verse 12 in your notes. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to count each day. Teach us to order the days so that we can walk and live wisely. But yet we don't do that, do we? If there's any numbering going on in our days, it's us watching them fly by like the dollar line on the gas pump. You ever feel like the calendar does that? can't stop it (laughs) and days fly by and years fly by and you you kind of step back and say whoa what happened and we pack each day so full that we numb ourselves to simply getting through one task to the next we don't have time For anyone else. We don't have time for anything else. We don't even have time for God. But you know, we got time to post on Facebook. Something's off there. But we say we don't have time, right? We've packed each day so full. We haven't been a good steward of our time. What can that lead to? Apathy. Numbness. Not caring. Just getting stuck in the rut. By the way, who controls that? We do, don't we? Maybe we should learn to manage our time a little bit. If we're not careful, we can put ourselves in a dangerous place, can't we? Last one I'd like you to consider is a negative attitude. Now, this can take so many forms. Maybe it's bitterness in our hearts. Maybe it's unresolved conflict. Maybe it's a relationship that we're in that's going through hard times, we can get to a point that we stop caring, can't we? Maybe it's even a tragic event that happens. You see that in Scripture in Naomi. In Ruth chapter 1, it says this, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. You know what Naomi means? Pleasant. My delight. A beautiful name. A pleasant person. She says, Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Bitter. I am bitter. At least she admits it. I'll give her that. (laughs) 
Call me Mara, because the Lord hath dealt, excuse me, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You see what happens? She go, now she goes through some tragedy. She loses her husband and her two boys. But through that, she shuts down and stops caring, and now she says, I'm bitter. We can get to a point where we're focused only on the bad, right? Like Thomas. We can be spiritual Eeyores, like Thomas. John 11, then said Thomas, let's go also that we may die with him. Never mind the things that he's seen Jesus do time after time. He's seen Jesus feed 20,000 people. He's seen Jesus stop the Pharisees in their tracks. He's seen a lot of things. And what does he say? All right, let's go. We're going to die. Pretty apathetic. A negative attitude can lead us to those things. That's just a few, but I think you get the point. There's things that can come into our lives that can cause us to stop caring like we should. Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a combo of things, but they build up, and if they're not taken care of, we can find ourselves with an apathetic attitude. So here's where some say, okay, so what? Oh, well, it only affects me anyways, right? What's the big deal? It's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anything, right? Wrong. The effect is bigger than you think. I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, the effects of spiritual apathy. Not caring and not feeling will affect more than just you. It's going to affect those around you. So I'd like you to consider just a few ways that spiritual apathy can impact us. Number one is diminished joy. Diminished, diminished joy. Apathetic people aren't happy. They're miserable. They're miserable. They're either focused on everything bad or they're so past feeling they don't feel joy. They're miserable. And listen, beloved, that is the opposite of Christianity. We are happy people. We are joyful people. The Bible says that all over the place. Look, John 15, Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Not halfway, not muted, but full joy. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians, rejoice evermore. It's all over Scripture. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, within the first 100 words, you know what he says? He says, blessed or rejoice ten times. Right from the get-go. Here's how I want you to live. Blessed, and that means happy. Happy. And that happiness, that joy is in all circumstances because it's a joy that goes beyond situations. It's a joy that goes beyond our settings to the one whom we worship and the hope that waits for us. We are happy people at our very core, redeemed, walking with the Lord with a hope that nobody else in this world has waiting for us. That should produce joy in our lives. So if we're blah all the time, how do you, make, how do you think that makes God look? Oh, let me, tell me, let me tell you what God can do for you. How are you doing today? Man, another day. Something's off there. I've gotten into a bad habit of saying that. You can work at a 
Same company for about 20 years and you see the highs and you see the lows and you just see how things go and you can get kind of just blah about it. So there's been people who've asked me, hey, how are you doing today? And I say that. Well, it's another day. How do you think that, what, what, what message do you think that gets across? Well, you're not very, I've had people say that. You're not very happy, are you? Well, yeah, actually I am. I, I should have said this. We are joyful, happy people with a hope in our hearts that transcends any and all circumstances because of God, because of His work and what He has done and will do for us. But if we find ourselves apathetic, what, what kind of a witness are we going to be and who's going to want that relationship that we ever have if we aren't ever happy and don't give a rip about anything and anyone else? Besides, we'll be missing the whole point of the Bible. So it can diminish our joy. Secondly, it can disconnect or separate us from God. I don't know what other way to say it than simply, and that is you don't read the Bible because you don't care. You do things, you make, you make time for the things that you want to do. You make time for the things that you care about. If you don't read the Bible, it's because you don't care. You don't pray because you don't care. Sermons don't move us. Songs don't move us. The words bounce off the hard wall of our heart. They may make us angry, but we've learned to push the conviction down and maybe even turn that towards other people. If you check out when you come to church, there's a problem. There's a problem. You think that attitude's not going to affect you? You think it's going to bring it, it's going to bring you closer to God and you're going to be more holy? You're dead wrong. It's going to push you away from God. You'll see it in your own heart. You'll see it in the joy that is gone. You'll see it when you don't feel His presence and you just don't care and your relationships start to fail, whether it's with your spouse or your family or even the other members in church. It will begin to affect us if we don't care. It's going to disconnect us and separate us from God. So yeah, it affects a lot. Next one is your witness. If you aren't connected to Him as you should be, then you in turn won't care for others as we should. Again, I don't know what other way to say it than simply we don't witness because we don't care. If we don't witness, it's because we don't care. Because we're just blah about it. (laughs) Oh, you care when you say it out loud. I don't want anyone to go to hell. I want everyone that I know to be saved, to know what it's like to have salvation in Christ and eternal life in heaven, an assurance of that waiting for them when they pass from this life. I think we would all say that proudly. But do you tell them? Do you tell them? If you don't, why not? Because probably at the core, we're just a bit apathetic. What good's it going to do? They're not going to listen. They'll just laugh. You know those things that roll through our heads. If we really cared, it would be a different story, wouldn't it? So yes, spiritual apathy 
can affect us. Not just us, but those around us. And I'm sure we want to stay out of that, right? And if we find it within us, we want it out. So how do we get rid of that? How do we do that? How does the Bible help us? Let's look at curing spiritual apathy or the cures for spiritual apathy. Now, this is where we go back to the text. Psalm 51, if you've turned away. You understand as we read this psalm, it's a prayer, right? It's not just a song. It's a prayer. David is praying in this psalm. And so some of the things that we're going to look at and some of the things that we're going to pull out of just these these three verses are things that we should pray for. Listen, beloved, do not ever underestimate the power of prayer. If you think it's some powerless thing, you haven't been doing it right. If you think it's not a way that connects you back to God, I would pray that you get back on your knees and you spend some time with your Father. Do not ever underestimate the power of prayer to work in us and to allow God to work through us and for other people. If there is one... Well, yes, there's two things actually. Number one is reading the Bible. But if there's another thing that the church needs to get back to, it's praying. Praying more than five seconds at a dinner table. When's the last time? When's the last time you spent 15 minutes? When's the last time you spent half an hour? When's the last time you spent an hour on your knees before the Lord? Have you ever? Maybe we need to get back to that because the scripture is a book of prayer. We are to be a people of prayer. And what David's doing here is praying. So let's notice some things that we need to pray for. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. What we need to pray for first is pray for a clean heart. We need to pray for a clean heart. The word in Hebrew means pure. I need a pure heart. Lord, clean it out. (laughs) Clean it out because there's too much junk in there right now. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's worry, maybe it's priorities, but Lord, I need a reset right now. And I'm not talking about salvation. All of us at some point need a reset, don't we? I need to stop this cycle. I need to stop this attitude, whatever it is. Lord, I need to take a breath and I need to start over right now. Clean it out. Give me a pure heart. Give me a pure attitude and a pure mind. And anything that's in the way, get it out of the way, Lord, because I I don't want it in the way anymore. You know, sometimes we need to beg for this too. Lord, please, I, I want to start this day, I want to start this week, this month, maybe even this hour, pure. So create in me a clean heart. He goes on to say in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We need to pray for a right or steadfast spirit. Now the idea here is, in the wording that's there, is a firm, established, strong, standing tall spirit. One that stands straight up and is immovable. Lord, I need strength. I need stability. Renew that in me. 
Because there's a lot of things in life that will try to throw us off. Maybe it's the grind of the day-to-day schedule, or maybe it's tragic events, or maybe it's just sin that gets in the way. It's going to... Satan's going to try to get us to weaken our defenses and drag our hearts down to apathy. And we need strength to walk through it. We need strength to stand tall in it without growing careless in those situations. So David says, renew a strong and right spirit in me, Lord. So we need a pure heart. We need a strong, steadfast, right spirit. Notice verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Pray for his presence. Pray for his presence in your life. We need God. I don't know what other way to put it. We need him every day walking beside us, holding our hand, holding us up. I need His presence with me each and every day. I need His filling. I need His leading and His guiding. I need His help. And David says, please don't leave me alone. Yeah, I know I've done some bad things. I've done some sinful things, but don't cast me away. Don't take the Spirit from me, Lord. Instead, draw me closer. We spent several weeks in Romans talking about the Holy Spirit and the importance of Him in our lives. We need to pray for that. Don't think that's automatic. We need to pray for it. Lord, I feel myself drifting, so draw me back. The way that wonderful song puts it, my heart is prone to wander. Bind it to You. Draw me back to You, Lord, and pour Your Spirit upon me even right now because I need You. So pray for His presence and also pray for restored joy. Look in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation. You know exactly what this is talking about. I pray that you do. I pray that you can look back to that moment that God changed your life, that you cried out to Him in faith and you were born again. You remember that moment. Think back for a moment and remember how you felt. Do you remember the change? Going from dead in sins to alive in Christ? From convicted and sorrowful to full of joy and and peace and knowing where your eternity lies? The burdens were lifted. You had that absolute peace. That explosive joy. I'm saved. God has saved me. I've been born again. I've got a home in heaven. Now listen, that might have faded a bit. And it seems so long ago. Maybe you need to pray for a restoration of that joy. (laughs) Because listen, right there, in that moment, your priorities and your attitude and your relationship with God was 100% exactly where it needs to be. Your love for Him was ultimate. Everything else was in its proper place and you were ready to be obedient and ready to tell the world. You never at that moment felt more alive and more vibrant joy and peace. There is zero reason that should fade. Zero. It should only grow more and more the more we get to know and love and walk with Him. 
If you need to get back to that today, ask Him. The Bible says ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Maybe we ought to try asking, Lord, I need some joy. Restore me to that joy that I had after you saved me. Last thing to consider. If you look there in the end of verse 12, it says, Uphold me with thy free spirit. Well, you notice with and thy are in italics, so that was added by translators. Uphold me free spirit. What what is David talking about? You know, the Spirit, every time it's mentioned in Scripture, does not necessarily mean the Holy Spirit. It could mean our spirit. And the word free or generous, as some uh, translations say, talks about willing or noble or voluntary. What's he saying? Pray for God to keep you faithful. Pray for God to keep you faithful, to keep you willing and ready and tender. Uphold me, Lord. Uphold my willing spirit. We've said it many times. There's a phrase in Scripture that sometimes we can find ourselves, I believe, but help my unbelief. David, even at this moment that he's confessing, he believes, he knows some things about God, but he's fallen. And he says, Lord, strengthen me, keep me faithful, uphold me. Pray for Him to help you sustain the right mind to keep me where I need to be, Lord. When I start to slip into apathy and I know better and I just feel blah about everything, keep me, hold me up and keep me attentive, keep me caring. That's what God does. The Bible promises this this in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, God keeps us for the promise that He has for us. And when we start slipping, perhaps we ought to pray for Him to hold us there. Hold me fast, Lord. You see how all of this revolves around prayer? Maybe this morning you need to get back to your knees before the Lord. Oh, that God's people would have a place of prayer. You've heard made mention in the last few years about war rooms. A room where you lay everything out before God. Maybe it's a desk. Maybe it's a dinner table. Maybe it's a quiet place. That we lay all of our burdens out before Him and we spend time talking to our Father. Confessing our sins. Seeking for restoration. Holding each other up to the Savior. Keeping our hearts tender before the will of the Father. If you find yourself not caring this morning, if you find yourself drifting away, pray. Pray even if you don't feel like it. Pour out what little is left in your heart and watch God change you. Watch God bring you back to life. You know, there's a lot of pictures in the Old Testament, vivid pictures that are given. Some of them comes to mind. There's a valley of dry bones that is mentioned. Or there's a heart of stone. You ever felt that way? 
Like you have a heart of stone, you're just a bunch of bones laying there dry and wasted. But God changes those, doesn't he? He lifts those dry bones up and he brings them to life. He takes that heart of stone away, breaks it, and gives us a heart of flesh. That's what God does. So if you find yourself there this morning, maybe we need to pray for Him to do a work in us. God renews and strengthens our spirit and takes the apathetic attitude away. So pray with all you've got and ask Him for these things. Beloved, we need to be intentional about this because the devil is intentional on having you not care. He's working night and day to have you not care. Everywhere and every way you turn is something to bring you down. It's something to turn your mind dark and heart to stone. Maybe it's laws, or maybe it's paper straws, or maybe it's gas prices, or maybe it's just a new thing at work. You know, you understand, all of these things are a constant attack to bring us down and into a place of not caring, to where we become disconnected from God, to where we don't witness like we should. And we drift along existing. We need to be intentional. We need to cling to God. We need to stay close to Him and beg that He shield us from this. And that He keep us tender and willing and caring. About Him, about His Word, about all those around us. Does that mean every day is going to be daisies and unicorns? No. It's going to be hard days. There's going to be hard times. Hard times that He will walk us through. But here's what I tell you that you can do. You can wake up each day refreshed and refocused in Him. With a heart that is focused and caring for Him. Thank God that you opened your eyes. This is a brand new day that the Lord has allowed me to see. Take a deep breath of that cool morning air and wonder at the creation of God and all that He has sustained. Look at all the blessings that He has poured into your life. Your salvation, your church, your spouse, your family, your friends. Yes, even your possessions too. I can tell you without a doubt, God has been good to you. You focus on that. And start your day with that. And you'll find your hearts a little bit more caring than it might have been. Now you add to that just spending some time in the Word and spending some time in prayer with Him, you're going to have the right kind of attitude. Maybe you need that today. Maybe maybe you're tired of the blahs. You're tired of not caring like you should. If you see the causes or if you see the effects, would you pray for the cures? Pray for a clean heart, a right spirit, Pray for His presence. Pray for a restoration of the joy and His hand holding you fast. Maybe even this morning you want the joy of salvation that you keep hearing. All you have to do is ask Him. Ask Him in faith and He will save you. Whatever, whatever you might need or you find yourself in need, him, in need of, would you come to Him? Or you can go on not caring. Whatever. Just waiting for the song to end and lunch to start. I can't say anything to change your mind. That's God. It's the Holy Spirit that 
changes. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. And if He's touched your heart with some of these things this morning, well, it's between you and Him. And I would simply urge that you pray and ask for the right kind of attitude. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank You for this day. I pray the words have been helpful. I pray that they've been glorifying to You, Lord. Help us in our own hearts. Help me in my heart when I drift away and become apathetic, Lord, that You would help me to care. Remove the things that would cause this apathetic attitude and cause the effects that go through in in my life and damage my witness and my relationship, Lord. I pray for myself that You would give me a pure heart and all the things that we've talked about. I pray if any is struggling with that here this morning, Lord, that you would move upon them, draw them to yourself. Even if there's one who does not know you as as Savior, Lord, that you would reveal to them their sin and their standing before you and show them Christ on the cross, crucified for sin. I ask, Lord, that you would do the work now that you can only do. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.